Welcome to episode 847 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 847 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? Got, you got your jacket on? It's a little fresh out there today. Just going to be nice, but a little bit fresh. Just got the, the vest, the gilet. The gilet, is that what you call it? Yep. Yep, never knew that. Didn't you? You learned something, the gilet. Yep. That obviously means vest. French for vest, I'm assuming. Wow. What's another French word you can teach me today? Uh, a bientôt. What does that mean? See you soon. Oh, come on. A Gilet. I'll be speaking French by the end of the show, team. I'm talking is proudly brought to you by our amazing patrons. We've got Rob Fancy Feet, fence, oh, Fast Fancy Feet, or Triple F, Dally Moore. And I've just decided to close my show notes. So you do the rest. Okay, we've got Tim the Breaker Hemming, and we've got Paula Wave Crasher Ryan. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week John's quiz, uh, high five, and we've got an interview. Uh, now, I've opened up last week's notes. Oh, we have, up, mate. Uh, we are talking to Mika Nude. I spoke to him yesterday, did an interview with him. He got fourth at the 70.3 World Champs. Quite young. Uh, very young, only 22. Got a good head on his shoulders. And when you look at his race results, paces races really well and comes through these weapon runs. 22. Um, but he is definitely a name to watch. Real deal. Uh, questions and answers, wing and wig at the end. Okay, let's get into it. We had Ironman Link, how we over the weekend. I'm, I'm thinking it's an age group only. It is an age group only. This yeah. is the first time it's been on since uh, pre-pandemic times. So we never see fast times over there. Uh, we saw a couple of dojo dominations was though. Was that the one that years and years ago Chris McDonald was walking in? Uh, he might have done China. It was it's, it's, it's that kind of race. So you know, it was a funny. Going, if you don't remember, if you don't know the story, so Chris McDonald was winning the race. It was so hot. It was, it was so hot. It was basically everyone was exploding. Mm. He's winning the race. He's literally walking. He's trying to duck into the shops as he's walking past shops so the, the guy behind him can't see him. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, like it, it was just an implosion. And then they never had the race through again, did they? I think that was Ironman China. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, uh, but Lankawi is. Always consistently hot. Like with that China race, I seem to remember it was usually hot, but Langkawi's always hot. But I believe this year they had uh, some torrential rain on the bike and that made conditions actually a bit more favourable on the run, a little bit cooler. So uh, dojo domination on the boys' side. Um, Andy Wilborough from Indonesia took it out in 9.37.58. Uh, he swam 53, biked a 5.15 and ran a 3.20. Typically, if over there, if you're running sub 330, you are doing extremely well in that race uh, in the age group side of things. He won by quite some margin. How much was it? It was about 15 minutes over somebody from Japan. And I can't read their name because it's in the Japanese... What are they? Hieroglyphics? Yeah. yeah. No, hieroglyphics. Egypt. No, yeah, Egypt. Uh, so Japanese language. Yeah, Japanese um, characters. Yep. And then on the female side... Now, uh, remember, I've got to remember this time because I reckon she must have finished extremely high up. And oh, when I looked at this yesterday, I could do female overall. Now oh. I can't. So they need 500 athletes. And I haven't got my phone with me either. Yeah, um, yeah but it was pretty late notice. Is it 70.3 as well? Uh, yes, I think so. Okay. I want to give this female some love because she crushed it. And I reckon she What's did her name? Did you say her name? 
No, but because they, they only do female by age group. When I looked at this yesterday, you could do f- uh, female all. And okay, what time did she do? You tell me well, what time she did. I reckon she did about 10, 15. I reckon she could have been like fifth or so, something overall. Oh, if she did a 10, 15, she would have been fifth or sixth. sixth. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? April Rice? Well, I, I'm not quite sure, but she did 10 something. Okay, so if you're in the female 30 to 35, you would have won the age group in 13, 25. This is great podcast. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you've really nailed this. I've nailed it. Yep, well, absolutely nailed. They should have female overall in this category. They really should, shouldn't they, John? Yeah. Sexist pigs. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, great start to the show. We're on fire. Yeah. This, this may go down as our greatest of all time. Okay, so that was that race. And then we had a couple of 70.3s happen over the weekend as well. We did. I'm still trying to find the winner there. Oh, shit. Oh, here we go. Here we go. April Rice. It was the name you said. 10-19. Seventh overall. Yeah. Holy shitballs. That's awesome. Holy shitballs. She won her age group. far. Won her age group by 41 minutes. She was in the 40 to 44, and she's from Canada. That's impressive. Okay. Uh, we had some 70.3s. We did. Uh, in South Africa, Impellant Brown turned around from doing 70.3 Worlds last week to go and do another race. Uh, she won by nine minutes. Then Bradley Weiss on the boys' side was a lot closer. He won by 45 seconds in front of Matt Trotman, then another 15 minutes back to third place. And then in Los Cabos, uh, Rach McBride, she's in a really good season. Uh, yeah. Went 4.22, won by five minutes over Kylie Simpson Australia. And Adriano Egenhart won the boys' race. Okay, uh, cool piece of news from last weekend was that Rahish Dubal uh, was a triple amputee, competed at the in and finished the uh, 70.3 World Championships. That's the Healthcare Ironman 70.3 yeah, World Championships uh, presented by Utah Sports Commission. Exactly. <laughs> An impressive time of 6.29, both with a con- congenital defect, leaving one arm partially developed and without a, f- a fibrous, and uh, both legs requiring amputation below the knees when he was just one years old. Rajesh... He has not let that stop him from competing, triathlons, traveling the world, and inspiring millions of people. With a swim of 40 minutes, a bike of 3.24, and a run of 2.10, Rahish's performance on Saturday the 29th at George Utah resulted in the third, third fastest of all those competing in the physically challenged division at the Ironman. Jeez, I like saying that result a lot, don't they? Um, he became the first triple in 2010. 2010, he became the first triple amputee to complete and finish the Ironman World Championships in Kona. So, also doing triple again. amputee that is impressive yeah, to, to bike a 324 and run a 210. Nice work, yeah. I actually, were we there the year he did it? Mm, possibly 2010, can't remember. Yeah. Long time ago, yeah. Definitely looks like an athlete. Just lean, mean machine. I'm on his Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Coming so. up this weekend, not much happening, but we've got a few 70.3s. There's one in Goa in India. They had the second, this is the second event in 2019 was the first, and they had not, about 980 athletes, which is not bad when considering most of them are India, Indian in the, in the race. Uh, it's not a hotbed for triathlon in old India, but no, uh, good to see so. they've got a race over But when there. you've got a billion people, we're sure you can get 900 there. True. You know, True that. <laughs> you know like it's, it's a numbers game. Mm. Uh, we do have a couple of Ironmans coming up with Cozumel and Arizona coming up this weekend. Uh, not this weekend, but in, in the next little period. So we, uh, we've also got Ironman Israel coming up, which is, I think, the first time they've had that. Uh, and we've got some reasonable fields in there. One name of note is going to be Ben Canute making his debut at Ironman Arizona. So we saw how well he did at 70.3 World Champs. He's a short course guy who does well at 70.3. How good at short course? Um, pretty good. Not 
you know, yeah, not top there, there or thereabouts. He was always quite good at the mixed team relay. Yep. Um, he's, he's good in non-drafting, much better in non-drafting okay. races. So hence he works well in 70.3. Mm. So it'll uh, be interesting to see how he goes. Okay, short course up. Okay. Bermuda was on over the weekend. It's, you're saying it's awesome racing. Really good racing. Why? Um, a, because they have it on at a very good time zone for oh, us. Okay, that works well. So I had the old iPad sitting there. I got up at whatever, five o'clock, and the, the men's race, I think they were about halfway through the bike. Got to watch all that and the run, and then watch the entire women's race. Probably one of the few events where the women go second, um, and that's sort of the marquee event because you've got Flora Duffy there. Why, why, why does that happen? I don't know. Just, oh, why doesn't it happen more often? don't know just typically the women go first and the men go second uh, i'm not quite sure if there's just a precedent uh, anyway it was the opposite way around so i got to watch most of the boys race and uh all of the females race. good racing good racing both? Uh, if you don't want to spoil it just fast forward a couple of minutes but the cool thing in the boys race i got a breakaway and the breakaway stuck and they only had uh, about 45 seconds um, a lead on the main group. Uh, and in the main group, you had the Norwegians smashing it on the front, trying to catch up. And in the front group, you only really had Vincent Louis, who's had a really patchy last couple of years. Yeah. You're thinking, ah, uh, 45 seconds against Alex G, that is not enough. And Alex G did not have a great day. No, he Vincent only ran 31 and Vincent ran 31-22, so obviously enough to keep him away. Yeah, and Vincent Louis had a brilliant race. So uh, did he pretty much break away from all the other cyclists because it seemed like people ran faster than him? Uh, Vincent Louis, they had a group of five, six, seven, and then the, the everyone else through. was in the second one, and they were slowly eking their way towards them. And so he had about 45 seconds off the bike. Alex G just didn't, didn't seem to fire. A couple of the other guys from that group ran up to second and third. So Alex G was, was he fourth or fifth? Uh, fifth. Fifth, uh, so he was, he was only the fourth fastest runner on the day. Uh, he did beat out um, Christian Blumenfeld only just. So uh, Alex, yeah, what, what the cool thing about this race is... Blumenfeld must be so tired right now. <laughs> it's set up the, the, the series finale brilliantly. I'll come to that in a moment. So Vincent Louis took it out um, in front of Antio, uh, uh, Antonio Serrat and Roberto Sanchez, a couple of Spanish dudes. And they ran fast. They ran yeah. you know, 30, or 30 seconds more than you. And then Yelly Greens and Alex G, Christian Blumenfeld. This, the Norwegians did better. I thought they were going to get smoked. They did better than expected. Christian Blumenfeld was sixth, and Gustav Eden was in ninth. When does he take a break? Uh, not for another three weeks, because the world fight, the final is in three weeks' time. Jeepers, um, creepers. And the female side of it, uh, it was a Flora Duffy dojo domination. Absolutely smoked it. Second place out of the swim. Started doing a solo breakaway on the bike and got joined by uh, Mayor Kingma and they just smashed it, got an unassailable lead and then Flora Duffy still ran, um, I think, possibly the fastest run of the day. Yeah, it was. Fastest run of the day when, you, when she didn't need to. Uh, and Taylor Nip turning around from the 70.3 World Champs, looked awesome and she can run. She's really did fantastically on the run. She got a, bit, a little bit smoked in the swim and then had, kind of had to make her way through the field. Um, but she put in a great run. She finished second, Beth Potter third. So She won by like a minute and a half. Oh, yeah. And, and she eased off in the last lap. She was, I think she almost got it out to two minutes at one stage. Uh, so she was crushing it. And the cool thing about this, we've got the finale in three weeks' time. And if Alex Shee had won and crushed it, he would have moved to the front of the rankings. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. So he's sitting second behind Hayden Wilde in the rankings. And there's a few others. Leo Bergier from France is kind of potentially still in the game. Um, and so... so it's, what, it's basically winner takes all. 
pretty between much. Between those two. Yeah, so what it means for Hay- Hayden Wild is Alex Year can beat him and he can still win the series. Um, but does Hayden have to get second? Um, it, it's, the, the point's kind of got a funny scale. So if it goes first and second, Hayden Wild would be second. Uh, it would be fine if it goes first and second. If it starts to go further down, I'm not quite sure how it works out because it's not a, a straight linear scale okay. on the way down. Yep. Um, but the bottom line is if Hayden Wild finishes one behind Alex G, he'll be sweet. And if they f- both finish further down the pack, then it might be two spaces, I think. Um, because what could happen here is... The Frenchies are pretty determined. They've got a good squad of swimmers. They could get away and stay away and, and spoil the party for and those look guys. And guy, Leo. Leo Bagier and you know Vincent Louis said in his post-race interview, he said, you know, Leo Bagier's got a chance at winning the World Series. Our French team's going to do everything we can to oh, try really? to help him. So that would be cool if that happens. Does anyone need to help Peyton? Sorry? No, we have the Norwegians. They'll be getting there. And if, if they're in the same group, they'll just be smashing it. So, Yeah. Help himself. When was the last time Hayden did a World Series? Because I know he's kind of focused on Super League for a period. Because I know he got, did well early, didn't he? So he's kind yep. of. So when did he last race? He last raced on the 24th of June. So wow, he's had a. He won in Hamburg, he won in Leeds, and he got second in Montreal and second in Yokohama. So he's got 1 1, 2 2. And Alex Yi has got uh, three wins and one fifth place. Oh, the fifth kills you. Mm, absolutely kills yeah, you. Yeah, so you get a thousand points for first, nine hundred and twenty-five for second, and then like he got, he got seven hundred and thirty-two for for fifth place. Uh, and it is a big deal in terms of a, you want to be the world champion. That's yeah. what this series is all about. Um, so there's that on the line. Plus the prize money changes quite significantly. So in the grand final, you get bonus points and there's bigger money. So first place is 30 grand, second's 22, third 16. So a pretty big drop off. And in the, the world series prize pool, first place is 80,000, second 55, and then 37. So, you know, you've got $25,000 difference US. That's not uh, chump yeah, change yeah. in the world of professional He's triathlon. doing all right this year if he wins that, isn't he? Oh, he is doing all right. He's good doing, on him. Yeah, bloody hell, he so should. Yeah, it's mm. a hard game to make money in. Mm. Um, okay, let's go look at the discussion of the week. So the discussion of the week was what tech, oh, well, let me get the official thing here. The official thing says, what gadget have you purchased in the last couple of years that has made a real difference to your performance? Okay, let's go. I'm going to say, Julian Stockwell was being an idiot. Homebrew kit. Come on, Julian, sharpen up. Um, Tim Swanson, smart trainer. You got a kicker. Bike fitness game changer. Absolutely, you keep going, Ben. I'm just Andy Pinagata uh, has also got uh, Wahoo kicker. Uh, jo- Jolene. Uh, Jolene. Crank. Jolene. I don't know if it's Jolene. It's kind of it's Joe and then Leanne. Yeah. Uh, Robovec. Um, sharpen up, Julian. Samuel Brown says power meter and an HRV app, so heart rate variability app. Daniel Muller says form goggles. Nice work. And then as does Mick Simpson, form goggles. Um, yeah, loving them. And then Peter Richmond said form goggles three in a row. Mate, we didn't even pass to say that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Gildas. Dubious. <laughs> Great pronunciation. What do you reckon it is? Uh, where are you? Kind of up top. Up top. Gildas. Dubious. Gildas Dubois. Okay. Gildas Dubois. Gildas Dubois. A sports watch. I got my first 35-pound band because it was cheaper than a replacement Casio and found it to be useful, especially for runs uh, that I bought a Kuros and have no idea how I did it before. Andy Turnbull has got one of those little... um what are they? Metronome meters. I'm not can't remember what they're called. Um, which you use in the pool, and it will just 
beat oh, in, your, okay. in terms of either Full stroke rate or, or timing your links and stuff. Uh, Andy Andrew Hunt says midfoot cycling cleat a cleat adapters approaching 50 years old no, there's nothing wrong with approaching 50 Andy. Mate, you're sharp. Uh, and it's sold as Achilles niggles a treat so oh, that's interesting. midfoot cycling is really beneficial in terms of looking after your calves you don't bend so much yeah it, it, it saves your calves for the run so you're going to lose quite a bit uh, we should do a segment on this at some stage you're going to lose quite a bit in terms of your climbing but in terms of the crossover onto your running uh, and reducing the use on your calves and your Achilles can make a big difference. So uh, he's got the actual cleat adapters, but even if you go... What's the adapter? What does it mean? You just It means you can go further back to be more midfoot okay. because if you take your cleats back as far as they can, that'll give, that's a reasonable position. That's kind of what I've got on, on my shoes, um, but this takes it a, a step further and so it's, you, you, the pedal is even further towards the midfoot. Does it, does it decondition you but? Um, no, I wouldn't have thought so. Because you're not using the car so much? Yeah, but if you're not injured, it's one of those things. Yeah, for people who have that issue. Yeah. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm all in for, for midfoot cycling, but your climbing does suck. Okay, Vicky Jones got Aftershocks X trainer swimming headphones. They meant I actually went swimming and stayed in the whole session. Pool swimming is so dull otherwise. Uh, Andy Padera says a kicker. Uh, Matthew Milhaka says an indoor smart trainer. Another Simon Lund says a kicker. Geez, a lot of people have bought smart trainers in the last year, which is great. Ben Pasella has got um, my head in my head. Lots of gadgets that I've purchased have made huge differences. But if I'm honest, I've not used any of their full potential, and I could have easily made the same gains without them with a bit more consistent training. The biggest difference probably is my smart trainer, and for safety and peace of mind while riding, Garmin Vera Radar, surprisingly brilliant. What's that? Uh, that's where it sort of beeps, beeps when it, you got a car coming up behind you. Oh, okay. That's yeah. cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. Gadgets have really changed, haven't they? Uh, Carl Haynes has got the house of a house on the Gold Coast. Game changer. You know what? That's actually probably true. Yeah. Moving to a location that makes it easier to train. Mm. You know, like if you go from a place which is like deathly weather all the time to the Gold Coast, which is basically beautiful weather all the time, it does make a difference. Uh, and final one, I'll do Tom Garvey, Tri-Rig Scoops. The comfort and aero is a huge advantage. So these are sort of pads that are they're a lot bigger. Um, so it just makes, you know, sitting in the aero position a bit more comfortable. And a digital PSI gauge. Most pumps cannot, and he's put not in capitals, be trusted. And it's important to get the air pressure right on race day. Agree that, with you. Wow, that's, that, that's good work. Uh, that radar seems to be pretty popular. Yeah. Because I mean, Seth talked it. about it, Simon, and are saying, for people who don't feel comfortable riding outside, I'm mm. never, I never really worried about it. Yeah, but uh, we're in a unique situation yeah. where yeah. we live, and to get that warning when a car or a big truck's coming up behind you um, makes a big difference. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. Amazing. So, people yeah. obviously love it. Uh, Amanda's got alarm clock. Nice. Yep. Ceramic bottom bracket. Oh, yep. Best money speaking by. Mm-hmm. That was from Mark Baker. And Arnold's got a 67 tooth chain ring. I think he's making that yeah. up. No, he's saying a joke. <laughs> uh, that's about it. Jombo, what were you? Tech stuff that I've got this year. Well, do you know what's really interesting? Because I, I, I left the game 2008. Mm. And at that stage, power meters were just becoming a thing. They were pretty mm-hmm. crappy, weren't they? What was that per orange one you had? Uh Ergamo. Yeah, Ergamo. That was kind of mm. the first one. And then they had the other one that was... S- the, SRM. So yeah, SRM yeah. was kind of around. But no one was... Like, it was 10% of people were using it. Mm. And since that, man, technology's changed the game. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I literally had a Speedo when I first started doing it. Totally. You know, speedo and a heart rate monitor. That was mm-hmm. kind of your tech. Mm. Now, nah, 
you got all the all the indoor stuff. Mm-hmm. You got all the feedback from your devices. You've totally. got oh, what? So for you, what's improved your performance? Um, I haven't really got any new tech in the last twelve months. Come but on, if there's one thing that I think makes a massive difference to my training, and that's Zwift racing or or some sort of online racing. What if you use a different platform that is taken can take your cycling to the next level if you go at it healthfully either if you're in that sort of phase of training not necessarily during a you know an Ironman build up but you know I'm going to be moving into more of a cycling phase of training and that's going to be definitely something that I'm going to use on a regular basis to take me to the next level because I don't we I don't really go out and do bike racing or anything like that um, and I get limited limited you, chance you, when to you race. do a race like that in comparison to go out doing a cycle race are you just as motivated um Probably not quite as motivated, yep. but it's just so convenient yeah. and you can consistently get a good hard workout and it's pretty much pretty much always hard. You can make it as hard as you like, whereas if you were to go do a bike race, A, there's hardly any bike races yep. these days in, in a Locally, lot of parts of the yeah. world. Uh, you might have an easier day, you might have a harder day. You're sort of dictated to it a little bit by others, depending on how many in the group. Swift racing's pretty much always hard, and if it's not hard, you can make it hard pretty quickly. I suppose you can do the same in bike racing. Um, so I think that would be one big thing that I've taken away from the last couple of years. Yeah, well, I, and it's a, I know it's not exactly a tech product, but it's within a tech yeah, no, that's, zone. That's what's changed. That's mm. tech. Um, I, I, I'm not really in the game, so I don't really know. But I do think, you know, for me, if I was in the game, the form goggles would be huge. And mm. it's not just because of the sponsor, because I struggled with something by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always just, I need, like, I needed a pack. I had to do a squad, otherwise I sucked. Um, whereas I think the goggles would be a good motivator for me. Um, and the bike trainer stuff. Mm-hmm. I hated indoor sessions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do them occasionally. But they're oh. they're pointless, mm-hmm. you know. Like totally. they were just a waste of time. Whereas with you know with indoor cycling, I think it would be a game changer. Now, John, I've got an idea for a question, which okay. we can do another week. But yep. if you were to design the hardest way yep. to cover the Ironman distance as a race, how would you design it? So you had to do a three point eight k swim, you had to do one hundred and eighty k of biking, and you had to run a marathon. But you have to make it the hardest form. Of, so it might be you know one k of each. Until you do the whole distance, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, whatever it is. So if you could, so do you want to use that for this week? Or? I'll use that for next week. Okay. So this week's discussion. How many races do you compete in most years? Give us a breakdown of sprint, Olympic, half an iron, full iron distance. And what stops you doing more if you feel you can do more? Hmm. And what's the, this, the reason this came about, I was just on Facebook the other day and saw Dougal Allen, New Zealand multi-sporter and triathlete. He was just posting. Hey, man, Yep, Iron Man winner, I think. Did he win New Zealand? Don't know about that. But he won't challenge. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he posted there was some race down his neck of the woods um, that had been cancelled at the weekend because of lack of entries, and that's a thing that's plaguing a lot of sh- you know um, s- small club-style events, um, I think, in most parts of the world, um, except for the UK. Mate, they're just cranking it over there. So I was just interested to know how many, how many races people do each year. Well, another question is, why is this happening? Mm. That's another question for another day. I thought I could go on about that, but uh, we'll save that for another day. Oh, yeah. why, why, why are we seeing this participation in your smaller scale local races? Yeah, it's interesting. I'll okay. put that down for in two weeks' time. Okay, Goodness. Good. We've got lots okay, of questions I'm doing prep on, the, prep on the go. Okay, John's quiz question. Okay, hold on. I've got to just put in uh, why, uh, why are races, local races struggling for participants? Okay, rightio. Okay, rightio. So the quiz question is, 
we've seen the Europeans absolutely crushing it both on the males and the female side. Collins Cup is a bit of a walkover, um, but I was interested to know how many European athletes were there in the top 10 in Kona. So we'll look at the males and the females. So have a little count up in your head, try to figure out how many Europeans on the males and the female side. Uh, Yeah, we're counting Great Britain. they're not in the Euro anymore. Not in the Euro, but they're part of (laughs) Europe. Okay. Okay, let's go. One, two, three, four. Oh, high, high five. five. You've got here, it baffles me what some athletes wear when the conditions are going to be cold on race day. It looked arctic at St. George. Yes, you'll lose some watts, but you think of the big picture, you have to have good gear. So obviously, five things you need on a cold day. Totally. But I, you see the pros commenting, oh, I was freezing out there. And you look at what they're wearing, I'm like, no shit. It's <laughs> no three shit, degrees, shit. Oh, and you've got a pair of Speedos on or a pair of swimming togs. Put some clothes on, young oh, man. Oh, my God. That's it's... what happens when you get older. Right? Like, you see young, young kids, and it, some females, young females, and they're going out, and it's freezing. And you're just thinking, just put, just put a jacket on. <laughs> just put some, put, put some hats on. You so, know? Yeah. I get it. They're trying, to, they're, they're trying to do what they want to do. To, you yeah. know? And, hey, all good, fair enough, but don't be cold. Yeah. So these are just a few things that you want to have ready for one day when you're going to go to a cold race because it's going to happen at some stage and you've got to, you do have to be very very careful if you're pumping for a particular time you got to think this through because when you start putting clothes on you're going to lose watts and what we're finding more and more is it's pretty significant you know you can easily lose 5 to 20 watts by wearing something that's that's not good fitting. But quite a few of these are easy fitting and they're going to make a big difference. So okay, number, number one, one is a beanie. That's not going to cost you anything aerodynamic as long as you can get it on underneath your helmet. But have a beanie ready to go. And just like a lightweight kind of, like one of those ones that we have. Yeah, you totally. Know, lightweight. Okay, number two, you've got here toe covers. Yeah, and I don't think this, uh, I don't I haven't seen any research in terms of aerodynamic loss from wearing toe covers. So I'm talking the wetsuit material toe covers or potentially even full full booties, uh, I don't think you lose a great deal aerodynamically. You will lose a few seconds putting them on in transition. Well, not but, the toe covers. Yeah, but keeping your head and your feet warm is critical. How much of a difference do those make? In terms of having... Uh, well, if you, if you have the, warmth. Oh, massive. Yeah. Massive. I, I used to have them. I always kept them on. If you have crap ones, just like if you have aerodynamic ones, that's not really going to help you. They're going to be more aero, but it's not necessarily going to help with the warmth factor very much. But having full wetsuit material booties on, gigantic. Gigantic? Yeah. You always get two hot toes. Yeah, potentially. Potentially. Okay, what about gloves? Gloves. And that's the third main area you want to be covering. Get some gloves. And that, again, aerodynamically, don't think it's really going to be costing you very much at all, um, whether you're having long sleeve, uh, not long sleeve, fingerless or full full gloves. But the other thing with that is then you're going to have the ability to actually get your food without your hands absolutely freezing off. There was one athlete over there, and I can't remember who it was. She had like um, kitchen cleaning <laughs> gloves on. <laughs> that uh, fair play to it, you know that would, would have made a difference. But you looked like a bit of a plonker. What do you mean, like like the yellow ones you use? Yeah, like you know how they go the sort of, you know, a couple of inches up your arm. Yeah, like it looked like she had those on. Wow, yeah, that'd be sweaty, wouldn't it? They would have, but it was bloody freezing. Again, it was it was two or three degrees. Mm-hmm. John, centigrade. I've, I've failed. Yeah, because <laughs> you just say yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yeah, because <laughs> my French lesson was for number four, and I can't remember what it was called. A gilet. A gilet. Gilet. And okay, I remember is, by the end of the class. Okay, yeah. a gilet, which remember is a tight fitting vest. 
But this is where you are going to start to lose some watts. So I've got my gilet on here. And, you know, it's certainly not baggy, but it's certainly not skin tight. And this is where you are going to start losing some watts. Can you get them skin tight? Um, not really. Yeah, and you're gonna you've got pockets in the back, um, so that you are gonna have a bit of an aerodynamic disadvantage from that. So that's when you got to start weighing things up. But if it's a difference between being miserable on the bike and losing five minutes because you're cold and crap, feeling crappy, then it's an investment that's worthwhile. And then finally, number five, what you need to do in cold races is remember to adjust your nutrition plan. And when you say adjust your nutrition plan, what do you actually mean? Uh, It's mainly around the hydration. So if you're thinking, you know, say you're going for liquid hydration and at a typical race you might be aiming to go through three drink bottles on the bike and, you know, let's say you're using a a Morton type product or something that's very high carbohydrate, you know, you're looking at about 70 grams of carbohydrate in each one of those bottles and if you don't go through all of those three bottles, it's going to put a massive dent into your um, nutritional intake and your carbohydrate intake and when it's cooler... You're just naturally not going to drink quite as much. So you just got to kind of adjust a little bit and you might go, okay, uh, normally I go through three drink bottles and that's going to give me, say, 200 grams of carbohydrate. This race, I'm probably only going to go through two because it's so cold. Uh, so that's going to leave me 70 grams short by need of carbohydrate. I need to get that from somewhere else. So you might go, okay, I'm going to have a couple of extra gels or something mm-hmm. like that. So your carbohydrate intake isn't going to change, but your, um, your liquid intake is going to change so just make sure you factor that into your your plan just going to the morton with you I, um, when you use it, because mm. what were you taking? Were you taking about 60 grams of carbohydrate an hour beforehand? Um, 70-ish. Okay. Yeah. And what are you taking now? Uh, when I go and do road next year, it'll probably be more in the 80 to 90 okay. range. Yeah. So it's quite significant, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. When you think of per hour of exercise. Um, okay. So basically, plantain. if it's cold, don't be a fool. Yeah. Adjust, Put some clothes on. Adjust and enjoy it as much When's as you can. When's the coldest you've ever been? In a race? Yeah. I don't think I've really had a cold. I remember getting out of the water in Ironman New Zealand. It was often pretty cold. One year, that we, the first time I did that, that was a frost. That was pretty bloody cold. Yeah. And I'd put on a bike jersey there. Uh, and I think I had gloves, but it was still pretty bloody cold. Yeah. When uh, we did Rote the first time, that was a pretty... It was wet, cold. but it wasn't cold. Yeah, it wasn't too cold. Yeah, it was just wet. Um, it's slippery. I can't think off the top of my head anything. It's been crazy cold and recent What about times. your worst training day? Can you remember your coldest ever? Oh, we've had some shockers. Yeah, no, we've had some shockers. I told the story about how I was, I basically, back in the day when I never looked at the weather, I rode down, I used to just go to Mount South Road and it's, you know, talk about dangerous mm. trucks and everything passing me by. And I, I saw the southerly coming towards me, I thought, oh, I'm in trouble here. Mm. And I literally had like a, a tri-signet on. Because mm. in, so in the South Island, you're kind of the southerly, the world's ending, isn't it? Basically, you're kind of out of nowhere, you just see these dark clouds and they move rapidly towards you. And it's going from hot, really hot. Yeah to really cold within like a snap of the fingers. Yeah, and, and, and that's that what I faced. And it got so bad, I was, I, I was kind of like 30k away from anywhere. Mm. And I remember I, like I couldn't even hold my bike. I was mm. so cold. And now I eventually had to go to a shop and get someone to pick me up. But um, yeah, man, it was horrific. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, yeah, you're going to die today. <laughs> okay, we've got an interview coming up. We have. Uh, we're going to talk to Mika Nude, as you're going to hear. He was fourth at the 70.3 World Champs last year. Here we go. Not last year, no, a couple of weeks couple ago. Of weeks ago. This year. This year. Here we go. 
Okay, guys, uh, if you watched the 70.3 coverage uh, the weekend before last, at the front of the race, we had um, some fairly recognisable characters. You had uh, Blumenfeld and Ben Canute and then uh, Magnus Ditlev running along. And then I was coming in and out of the coverage and I saw this this person keep popping up on the coverage and I was like, who the hell is that? And that person was Mika Nud, and he finished in fourth place at the 70.3 World Champs, which was an awesome performance. But I know next to nothing about Mika and we're going to find out some information about him today. So welcome along to the show. Yeah, hey, um, thanks for the invitation. Uh, looking forward to it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. You're only 22 years old. Um, just tell us wh where you're from and a little bit about your background before before this professional triathlon career started. Yeah, so <clears throat> um, I'm from Germany. Um, I grew up in Wolfsburg. Um, it's, yeah, northern Germany, um, the town where uh, Volkswagen uh, is based. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, that's where I grew up and went to school until I was uh, 19 years old. Um, so, yeah, I just went to a normal school, uh, no sports school. Um, and then I moved, uh, how, then I started studying um, at university in Darmstadt, which is uh, just south of Frankfurt. Um, and, yeah, that's where I still live um, right now. Um, yeah, um, <clears throat> but as I said, uh, as a, a junior athlete or as a youth athlete, um, I yeah, just lived a pretty normal life, actually. So just uh, living at my parents' house um, and going to a normal school. Um, so, uh, no, yes, no, no, start... Olympic, no Olympic swimming or, or massive no. uh, <laughs> track running background? Uh, no, no, sadly, no Olympic swimming. Uh, I wish I would have done that. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier now uh, for swimming. Um, but uh, no, uh, I'd say I wasn't all rounder as a kid. So, yeah, I I went to a swimming club uh, when I was like seven seven years old. But it wasn't like complete competitive swimming. It was more like yeah, just learn how to swim and have a bit of fun. Um, but when I was 11 years old, I didn't have any fun uh, anymore. Uh, so <laughs> that's why I stopped it and uh, really wanted to do something else. Um, and yeah, I, uh, so yeah, when I stopped swimming, um, I, yeah, just became more like an all rounder. So um, I went mountain biking, um, went, I always did like a kids, kids run in, in Wolfsburg. It was once a year. Um, and I always, always did very good in it um so actually a lot be better than in swimming even though i didn't train for it at all yeah um so uh yeah um so yeah as a, and of course i played as uh, soccer uh, just like every kid in germany yeah um and yeah it was just always outside and active um and then in 2012 um there was a triathlon in wolfsburg um in my hometown and i just uh yeah, happened to be there and watched it and was just fascinated by it. Um, and that's uh, when my dad suggested like, yeah, why don't you want to try a triathlon? Um, and luckily there was a tri club in, in Wolfsburg as well, uh, which is not that co common in Germany. So in many other, other like uh, not that big, big cities, you don't even have a tri club. Um, yeah. So I, I was fairly fortunate and I was very, very fortunate it was just a great um, group there. So we had a 
great coach um, who I'm still in contact uh, with nowadays. So he's not coaching me anymore. Uh, but yeah, I've still got a very good relationship to him. And uh, yeah, it was just fun from, from the very first session uh, where I joined them. And yeah, then things slow, slowly started to uh, kick off. Did, um, what, what was your area of study and, and what would you be doing probably if you weren't a triathlete? Um, it was, well, I actually don't even know the English, English trans, <laughs> translation for it. Uh, it's like um, a mix uh, between um, co computer science and, um, yeah, uh, I think it's called electroscience. Um, okay. So, like, basically, um, write the sweet, the sweet spot between um, hard and software. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, the the area is very big um, on what I could have become, so probably something like uh, with um, robots or yeah um, self driving cars. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's very very big and very fascinating actually. So that's why I started it. Um, but yeah, um, <clears throat> now now it's uh, luckily I can now full, fully focus on on sports. Um, and yeah, we we'll see. Uh, uh, Go back to gonna, another day. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> T tell us a bit about Darmstadt because mm -hmm. um, a lot of New Zealand triathletes have been to that particular club over the years. Um, so yeah. maybe tell us a bit about how the club system works in in Germany and um, mm -hmm. why why Darmstadt seems to do quite well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so maybe I can take another step back. So, what? How did I uh, get into contact with them? And yeah. it was in twenty eighteen. Um, so then I was like eighteen years old and wanted to race in the first division in Germany. It's called uh, Bundesliga. Mm. So uh, it's like like the French Grand Prix. So mm. like sprint races um, where you race for a club. Um, and yeah, Wolfsburg didn't didn't have a Bundesliga team. And um, a good friend of mine ha has already raced for Darmstadt um, back then. And he suggested me to the team manager and got me in contact with him. And yeah, then I, I could join the team and yeah, race there uh, or race for Darmstadt, even though I still lived in Wolfsburg for two years. Mm. But so I already knew all the guys from, from there. And I also visited Darmstadt like when traveling to the races, most times they are in the in the south of Germany. So I always went past Darmstadt and had a little a layover there. And yeah, really uh, uh, yeah, yeah, saw that that there's a great interest infrastructure and just a great vibe in the group. Um, and yeah, when I when I, when I finished school in 2019, I didn't want to go to like a to a, like a high performance sports center which would be like in Potsdam near Berlin or in Saarbrücken and because in my junior uh, years I wasn't like in is that great of an athlete so I was like a 10th at nationals uh, anywhere in, in that ballpark most of the time so I, I didn't want to go all in on sports and then because yeah uh, as I said uh, it could have also I mean, I wasn't, uh, I personally was pretty confident that, that I could make it, but uh, yeah, I, 
I I didn't want to put it all on on that card and was really interested in 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 the university stuff as well. So I decided to go to Darmstadt, where I had a great um yeah a great university and I could study exactly what I wanted. And B also had uh, like the the option to to choose the uh, triathlon way because mm. there's like great infrastructure as I said and a great group as well. Um, so we are now develop more towards sports and less towards university. <laughs> but uh, yeah, how did, um, how did your progression go? You know, because the first results we see from you at long distance were in 2021. Um, mm-hmm. So, what was your progression like from when you finished school to you know your first? I think your first long distance race result I can see was was mm. first place in uh, Les Sables de Lone, um yeah. in France so how, how did you progress from being what you say an, an average junior to being mm. very good by 2021 mm. um yeah so I I went to Darmstadt in October 2019 um and that's when a lot of things changed for me so I lived alone away from my parents and um yeah, had a different coach, um, and yet yeah, just for the first t- time ever, I had like a really good um, infrastructure for sports because in in Wolfsburg I still had to drive like twenty five minutes to the pool one way, mm-hmm. and in Darmstadt it's just five minutes by bike, um, and yeah, I had a great group, and um, <clears throat> yeah, in the first winter I still studied normal, uh, so like I was a full time student and uh, did as much much training as possible besides it um, and then March 2020 obviously uh, COVID hit mm. and um, that meant that university was all online um, which uh, for sports was great but for studying wasn't that great because I didn't get to know many people like in Darmstadt outside of sports um, but well uh, <clears throat> at least I had many many friends uh, in from the triathlon club and now now as i'm living there for longer i i I get to know other other guys as well but yeah the whole summer in 2020 there was no racing for me as for everyone else i guess um Mm. and i really used that um to just train without pressure um to do some uh yeah pretty focused training even though there weren't like competitions and i really enjoyed it so I didn't have any any motivation problems at all, actually. Um, just kept training, kept plugging away. And um, yeah, in 2020, what, what I just you, had... What did you focus on? You said focus training. Were you doing mm-hmm. like Zwift racing or were you doing like race simulations or just big bike blocks? What what were specifically mm-hmm. were you trying to achieve? Mm, I was, uh, I'd say I was trying to... Um, prepare myself for uh, 2021 already. So thinking mm. very long-term um, because in 2020, I just had two uh, races left. Um, and I thought about like uh, building a, a good base um, for 2021. So it was yeah quite a bit of volume, but still not, not crazy volume. So I actually just did one like super long ride, 400, 400K where I rode from Darmstadt to Wolfsburg uh, on my mom's birthday to just, uh, yeah, surprise her. I didn't tell her about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, besides from that, um, it was, yeah, pretty normal, like I'd say winter training. So a lot of easy, easy miles. Um, and yeah, just without any any um, 
break. So like I, I didn't have to taper for anything. I didn't do like swift racing. Um, so yeah, I just enjoyed having no, no, uh, no pressure and just uh, doing some easy training. Um, and yet I try to build like as much um, fatigue resistance, I'd say. So yeah, um, yeah just uh, some, some decent volume, not crazy, but like week after week after week. Um, and yeah, this, I think it really helped me to progress um, even though I couldn't show it uh, in 2020. Um, but yeah, I think it was a great uh, base for, for 2021 and all the years to come actually. Like especially in 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 that age, I think um, often um, you see like uh, young athletes when they switch from junior to under twenty three racing, they have to race a lot because um, <clears throat> to like especially when you are an ITU athlete. Like I was mm. back then, I'd still consider myself as an ITU athlete, and I I would have needed to race a lot to gain some some ITU points um, to. Uh, get an, onto start lists and yeah this means like you can't train that consistent and mm. since i i couldn't race i could train very consistent and i think this helped me yeah a lot mm. well it certainly did and your first um long course race that i that i can see and there may have been something before this but the 70.3 les sables de Lone, uh mm. Your first race, and you win, and you beat Rudy von Berg, who's one of the best seventy point three yeah. athletes in the world. Uh, that must have been a pretty cool way to start your long course career. Yeah, it certainly was. It was uh, pretty crazy, actually. Like especially thinking about it now, I was uh, so uncertain about what to expect. Expect, but somehow, somehow, I went into this race very relaxed, actually. So I just didn't uh, uh, overthink it. I mean. I, I think I trained really good um, and really smart already. But uh, going into the race, I'm, I was really like laid back. And originally, actually, like even um, three months or no, two and a half months before, it still wasn't planned. So I planned to do um, some Bundesliga racing in 2021 and some um, good Olympic distance uh, racing in Germany so we've got some pretty prestigious um, Olympic distances in Germany mm. and yeah this was my goal but um, <clears throat> like in April more and more Olympic distance got, got like cancelled still due to COVID and that's one when I decided like okay if I want to do um, a, a a proper non-drafting race with like strong competition it had to be a 70.3 because there was no strong Olympic distance uh, on the horizon. Mm. And yeah, that's when I thought like, yeah, uh, let's just give it, give it a try. And yeah, uh, then I um, actually one week before the 70.3 in the Sable, I still had a, a Bundesliga race, which was like a, a super sprint um, race, like a team relay uh, basically, uh, which, which took like 12 minutes, I think. <laughs> and next week and just seven days after there was like this four hour race and yeah i was very very uncertain about what to expect expect but somehow i was still very confident and um yeah then i i drove there with a good mate of mine um and yeah we had a, a pretty good time and we yeah i just uh it, it, it was just fun and just no no real pressure and it was more like like a, a weekend trip um, than like a, a, a 
or, or at least it felt, it felt like it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, the race itself, yeah, just played out really, really good. Um, I could swim with Rudy. We had a little gap on, on the rest of the field, which meant that uh, on the bike, it was just uh, Rudy and myself. Um, and I followed him for 20K. Um, but then, yeah, I, I thought like, okay, let's let's not overcook it um, and rather back, back off a bit. Um, and then I, I rode uh, uh, 55K, I think, completely on my own. So this was mentally very hard because uh, here my... Uh, I hadn't done like an Olympic distance in nearly two years uh, by then. <laughs> so <laughs> I felt so, it was so boring actually at times. Uh, uh, at least the, the course was, was pretty interesting, which, yeah, made it a little less boring. But I mean, yeah, in the end, it's still like over an hour on, on your own, uh, mm. which I'm really not used to. Uh, this, this felt very, very long. Um, but then uh, Bart Arnold um, uh, caught up to me. And like for the last 15K, I at least had a bit of company and, and still felt surprisingly good, actually. And coming into T2, um, we had, uh, I think, 90 seconds on, on Rudy. Actually, Bart uh, sadly had a crash like in the last 2K. So oh. I was on my own again, uh, starting the run. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, just went for it. Uh, didn't go by pace, just just went by feeling, um, which was pretty fast in the beginning. In the beginning, mm. but yeah, as I said, I still felt good. And suddenly, I could see Rudy in front of me. And after six k, I passed him. And from there on, I still went faster than him. So after ten k, I had like a decent gap, which made me feel, which could have made me feel very confident. But I was so afraid the whole time about blowing up completely because. Uh, pre-race everyone told me like yeah i think you're gonna blow up it's, <laughs> I think it's not, not a good idea and i had like horror stories uh from a couple of guys who did like 70.3s already and they all blew up completely in the last uh, 5k so even at 18k when when i still felt very really good um and yeah i i didn't have to go like 100 anymore because the gap was so big I was so afraid still, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, really ju just when I was on the, on the uh, red carpet, I, I could uh, enjoy it a little bit. <laughs> oh, oh that, that got you to go to the, the 70.3 world champs where amazingly yeah. second race, you finish 11th overall, uh, third fastest run split, only beaten by Gustav Eden and uh, 20 seconds slower than Sam Long. So that, ran you back into the race and into the prize money which is great um how much confidence did that race give you for the world champs for this year mm, quite a lot i'd say um so it was my first championship race um like against really strong competition um which was a very new experience for me because um yeah as i said i just did uh, short distance uh, draft legal races um and in so last year in St. George, I, I really struggled with the group dynamics and I was so afraid of getting a penalty um, <laughs> that I always had like a 30 meter gap to the guy in front, um, which this year I still, uh, when I rode behind Gustav, I still 
uh, rather took like 20 meters uh, or sometimes uh, even more uh, to just mm. not risk a penalty. But this year we were just the two of us. And last year I was in a big group and people always over overtook me and went into this, this gap and I had to drop back again. Mm. So yeah, it was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just didn't have the experience back then. Um, but yeah, ha having like the, the, um, third fast run split really gave me a lot of conf confidence um, and like knowing that uh, yeah now I got the experience uh, yeah made me made me fairly confident excellent so you finished the season with a second at Lanzarote 70.3 you started this year um, with a first at Challenge uh, Grand Canaria which has looked like an awesome performance uh, then mm -hmm. there was a big gap between 23rd of April when you race and then your next race that I can see was on the 18th of September so at the the US PTO PTO open so I'm assuming either you were doing a lot of domestic racing or you were injured which was it exactly the second um yeah. <laughs> yeah um like two weeks after Gran Canaria I started to have a bit of pain um in a really weird spot so in my I think it's called uh, perineum. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a really, really weird spot to have pain in. Um, and, yeah, luckily, I, I just uh, yeah went to a doctor very, very quickly um, after I got the pain. And then I was diagnosed with, like, a stress reaction. So, luckily, not a fracture, but ju mm. just a reaction um, in my pelvis. Um, so, in the front of the pelvis, um, and yeah, this, uh, it was my first, uh, like major injury actually. So, uh, yeah, I, I had to take a lot of time off. Um, so especially off running, um, and yeah, uh, it wasn't that easy, easy in the, in the beginning, but I managed to like, uh, set myself new goals. So I did a massive swim block. Um, mm -hmm. and after like four weeks, I could also start doing some really big bike bike volume. Um, so I had to be off the bike for the first uh, three weeks, I think. Um, and then I could slowly start ramping up the bike. And after uh, yeah, a few weeks, I could do like my normal training volume again, but just uh, split it in, uh, yeah, into the swim and bike which uh, yeah, was mentally a lot easier um, because then I yeah, just uh, knew that my uh, yeah, overall, overall fitness would be uh, yeah, fairly decent and I just would need like this uh, specific um, yeah, muscular endurance, I'd say, um, for the run to yeah, yeah, get me back into, into uh, peak fitness. And how yeah, you, after how, how do you survive yeah. as a you know a new triathlete, which you know you've mm -hmm. only got a few results and you know probably haven't got gigantic million dollar sponsorship deals. <laughs> um, how, how do you survive when you when you can't race? Yeah, it's it's certainly tough. Um, <clears throat> so luckily, I had last year already, which gave me some some uh, sponsors, um, and also uh, luckily I my first ever and still like a really like long-term long uh, sponsor is my home club from Wolfsburg actually. Okay. So they started supporting me in 20, 
2017, I think at the end of 2017, uh, which was by then really amazing because as I said, I, I didn't have any, any good results. And of course it wasn't like a massive, uh, massive yeah. amount, uh, but yeah, still uh, at least just uh, um, like, like getting anything at all really made me start to believe um, uh, that yeah, maybe one day I can make some decent money from them, uh, from, uh, from, from sports. Um, so yeah, this certainly helped, um, like having like a, a bit of an, an income and um, that's not, uh, yeah, directly linked to the race performance. Yeah. And yeah, also luckily I had uh, challenged Gran Canaria before. Um, but yeah, still it was, it was really tough, especially at the beginning when I was very uncertain about like how, um, serious it actually is so how long it's going to take me to come back and mm. um, because it also took quite some time to figure it out um like the the injury so it's not a super common injury um and yeah as i said i didn't have a big injury before so i just had to uh, um figure out which doctor to trust because as you mm. know probably as you probably know when you go to 10 doctors you get 10 different opinions mm. and uh, yeah that's also uh, at least a bit of an, an, a positive thing um, from the injury. Like now I know some really good, good doctors and physio physiotherapists. Uh, so going forward, I hope um, I can like uh, get rid of these injuries in the very uh, beginning of them. Yeah. So you had a really good result at the, the people looked like a good result at the PTO US Open, finishing in ninth place, which was a, mm. a really close field. Uh, and then came on to the 70.3 Worlds where you finished uh, an awesome fourth place. What's What was the yeah. difference for you, like as a, an athlete, for, between the PTO race and the 70.3 Worlds? What was it quite a different feel? Um. Yeah, the field itself wasn't, yeah, it, it was a, a bit different, I'd say. So I think in Dallas, it was even stronger than here in St. George because mm. in Dallas you had, um, I'd say, except from the, the Norwegians, everyone was there. Um, like even the guys doing Kona, they use it as a preparation race. And yeah, of course, the two races itself, uh, yeah, the race itself was very different in Dallas compared to St. George due to the conditions. Um, but I think it's clear for everyone. Um, but what was really um, fascinating um, for me to see and to like see or experience firsthand was like the whole race week experience um, in Dallas compared to St. George. So um, yeah, in Dallas, um, it was... Uh, uh, I felt like like a really professional athlete. Um, yeah. So we uh, all athletes were like in uh, split to two hot hotels. Uh, so there were so many athletes you you saw, and so many PTO uh, staff members you you saw uh, at the breakfast or um, yeah out there in training. Um, I always trained with like other athletes. Got got to meet very uh, like some of my idols. Um, and I just uh, happened to ride with them. So it was a really cool experience. And also like, for example, just as, uh, simple things um, were just so much easier in Dallas because the PTO organized it for us. So for example, pool times, um, they organized a pool where we could swim. We had like uh, times and also lanes were um, booked for us. Yeah. 
Um, and then other um, small things like, uh, for example, when an athlete had a problem with his uh, bike or um, they could just give it to a guy from the PTO, they fixed it and gave it, gave it back in the evening. <laughs> so nice. yeah, it was just a lot less stress for us, us athletes. And I think those uh, small things really add up in the end. Yeah. And yeah, really uh, make a difference, make a lot less stress and um, yeah, just make us feel like uh, professional athletes. Whereas in St. George, it was just like at uh, any other 70.3. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, just had to organize everything um, for myself. So luckily I got some, I had some great supporters with me. So the same, uh, my same mate who also went to the Saddle, um, he went to every 71.3 except um, 70.3 words last year. Um, mm -hmm. And whenever he was there, I was on the podium except this year, 70.3 words, but I think fourth place isn't that bad. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, I, I always get like great results when he's there. Um, and my mom was also there. Um, so yeah, they too um, really uh, helped me with all the organization. But yeah, as I said, I, I had to organize it all by myself. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a difference, and I'm really looking forward to the PTO tour next year. Yeah. So the the race itself, you know, fourth place is awesome. Did you have expectations that that could be, you know, a position you could do? And were you? you're really happy with your performance or, or is there more that was there more in the tank? Uh, no, this year this was all I had. All I, had. Uh, I think I executed the, the best race possible for me. Um, so going into the race, my goal was uh, at least P8 or top eight. Um, yeah. And I thought on a really good day, top six would be possible. Um, but yeah, as I said, the race played out uh, perfectly. So I didn't make, make any mistake. Um, so I had a decent swim with the front group um, and on on the bike I was straight uh, behind uh, Fred Funk and uh, Gustav Eden and yeah Fred was just too strong uh, he managed to get to the front uh, four guys I think so they happened to be a group, group of five after 5k and then I was uh, with Gustav um, for 45k and it was yeah just a really cool experience to ride with him um and yeah but after like 30k i could sense that he he hasn't got got a good day because he was pretty uh, like shaky on his bike and he just didn't hold his aero position um on the climbs even though we were still going like 30k's an hour yeah and yeah that's when i decided to pass him um after 45k and from then on, it, it was a very lonely race again, uh, um, which I really didn't expect for like this championship race because in, in last year in St. George and in Dallas as well, there were always guys around me. Um, and now I was, was on my own again um, for yeah, the last. So Gustav dropped 10Ks after I overtook him, I think. So um, for the last, last uh, 35K, um, I was on my own again. Um, but yeah, um, folks on myself, um, got in all the nutrition um, didn't ride too hard. So um, yeah, I think I, I paced it also really good. Um, and then I came into T2 in P6 um, with three and a half minutes to the front. And like, I think two minutes to the guys behind me. Um, and yeah, on the run, um, <clears throat> I also just went out in my own rhythm, felt good. 
so, so yeah, it it happened or it obviously was really good, but I didn't feel that good in the beginning because like this the course is really tough. It's there's like this uh, two and a half to three k uphill in the start where you feel so slow um, after uh, going so fast on the bike. Yeah. And so yeah, I I, I really had to uh, control myself and not uh, overdo it there. But yeah, uh, I, I I found a good good rhythm and um, and also just enjoyed it. Um, I, I just enjoyed catching up to the guys. I enjoyed pushing myself, and I could really push myself. So I had a really good day. My shape was obviously very very good. So already in training, I could feel that I could just push very very hard without fatiguing a lot, and that's just such a great feeling. And when you have this in the race, it's just so much fun. I just uh, push myself, push myself, saw the guys uh, like, like that, that I managed to uh, catch them. And then I pushed even harder and I still felt that, yeah, I, I wasn't fatiguing that much. And yeah, it was just so much fun. Excellent. And only five seconds, your second fastest run split, only five seconds slower than Christian Blumenfeld. So that's pretty awesome. Um, being, being German, I imagine you've idolize uh, Jan Fredino and Sebastian Keenley and uh, all the others, Patrick Langer and so on. Um, mm. Does does going to Kona further down the track appeal to you? And what's your sort of progression plan for potentially going long? Yeah, 100%. Um, it's a big, big uh, goal for me. And I'm also very, very sure that the long course um, or the long distance is going to suit me even better. Um, I yeah, I, I just know myself pretty pretty well, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident about that. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to it also. Um, and actually, one thing about like the Germans. Uh, so, yeah, as I said, I started triathlon in 2013, um, and yeah, in 20 from 2014 to 2019, there was always always a German uh, winning on Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in all my uh, junior years um i of course i always watched the race and also german winning um, which was really motivating um and actually patrick was also lived in darmstadt um when he won uh, the two the two races um so yeah darmstadt uh, obviously isn't isn't such a bad bad place um <laughs> i guess yeah uh, so uh, yeah uh, going forward so um next year i'm pretty oh, oh, yeah, very sure that I, I won't do do a full distance. Um, I I'm going to focus on um, the the uh, PTO race um, mm -hmm. and also do seventy point three worlds. Um, and yeah, then I'll just see how that goes. Um, and yeah, we see what twenty twenty four brings. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not too sure about this. Um, but yeah, one thing's for sure: like I'm not not gonna. Um, yeah, rush into it. Yeah. You're um, only 22. People, I remember that yeah. I was 22. That was a long time ago. And if, yeah, if people yeah. want to fo follow you on the on the journey, uh, you're on Instagram. H how can people follow you? Yeah. Uh, Instagram is, is uh, probably the best place. Uh, it's just Mika Pung or dot uh, Nord. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active there. Uh, and yeah. Uh, we'll see what I do in the future. Uh, I keep you updated there. Uh, yeah. yeah. What's What's your plan for winter? You know, off season. And you're in, on holiday in uh, Utah at the moment. Have you got any specific plans for winter before you you start racing in 2023? 
Uh, yeah, it's full off-season mode right now. Um, so I've got uh, three more weeks of off-season left. Um, so I'm going to restart training at the end of November. Um, and then I plan to be do, do like the first block at home because I'm usually really, really unfit when I restart training. Yeah. So I need like two months to get into somewhat of a shape um, before I want to go to the first camp. And then I'm probably going to do some altitude camps because before St. George, I was in Boulder for the first time like, um, and got a really good uh, response from it. Even though Boulder is not that high um, in altitude, uh, I could really feel the benefit. So I hope that when I do like go like even higher and do like a like more blocks of it and um, I can get like even more of, of a benefit. Um, so yeah, um, probably some altitude camps and then I'm uh, going to start the season, I think like end of April um, or begin, begin, beginning of May, um, yeah. which uh, like nowadays is fairly late, but uh, I think it's enough, especially like uh, looking or like seeing that the season is getting longer and longer towards uh the end uh, as well <laughs> nice and any any sponsors you mentioned your um your hometown club any any other information you want to promote or any any news you've got coming up um yeah so uh, right now um there, there there are a few sponsors uh who yeah who um noticed my, my result in st right. george uh, so I hope there will be some news soon. Um, but for now, yeah, yeah, just like thank my sponsors uh, who've supported me like this year already, um, which are Kenyan um, Headwheels, Selfish, who have supported me for yeah. a longer time actually um, already. Um, and yeah, yeah, as I said, my, my home club uh, in Wolfsburg um, and also my my club in Darmstadt. Um, yeah, th they are just great and really helped me out. Excellent. We look forward to following your progress. Only 22 years old and finished fourth place at the World Champs. Only his second season racing at the top level. So look out for the name Mika Nud. He's the, the blonde guy with the little ponytail. We did at least uh, when he was racing. So that's how you can recognize him if you see him at the next one. So thanks so much for your time. Thank, thank you. Um, and also thank you. Thanks to the listeners for listening. Um, and yeah, uh, hope, hope to see you around. Yeah. John, but your thoughts? Fine young fellow. Fine young fellow. Got his head screwed on in the right place. Um, after I interviewed him, I was just on Facebook and I saw the PTO put a post up about his bike performance in 70.3 watts. 779. Average watts, 328 watts. Average speed, 47.3 kilometers. Cadence, 91. Normalized power, 340 watts. That is big time. Uh, as you heard at the start of that interview, what do, you, what do you if you go max watts? What do you hit? Oh, I mean, you can go over a thousand pretty comfortably, but it's like probably not in a race. So, if you just went like in a, in a race, if no, I was, but if you just went all out, what do you reckon you'd hit? Um, like twenty seconds max effort. Well, on Zwift, I've got the thousand watt badge, badge, but yeah, I've never, I don't really try that sort of stuff very often. Okay. But it would be pathetic compared to what yeah, cyclists, what cyclists, track cyclists, if ever oh, track stacks, cyclists would be ridiculous, crazy. 779, that would be yeah, some little surge that he did. But yeah, interesting fellow. Uh, really interesting to hear his thoughts on the PTO versus 70.3 worlds and just how they... Oh, so tell me about it. I know everyone listened, but what... what? <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just the way that they're treated as professionals that's by PTO. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we go on about the money is fantastic. 
but they co- consistently say at these races, you turn up and you feel like a pro. Yeah, nice. You know, you know, you you treated well. You treated well. It's not like you know, um, greasing up to you or anything like that. It's just like you focus on your racing. We'll take care of everything else. Um, and seven point three wasn't like that at all. Well, it never is. It's like the experience at the seven point three was with the same as us. It's prize money. You may have to turn up to some pro thing, but the rest of the time you you you're on your own. Um, and it's always been that way. And um, rightly or wrongly, but just when you go to a PTA race, it would be like you're going to a big major tennis tournament. Yeah. And you turn up and you just get taken care of. You just focus on the racing. We're doing everything else. Uh, so that's cool. But the, dude, this, this guy's got a, a future in front of him. He's he's 22. Smart. He's uh, not rushing things, taking his time, and he's only had two seasons of racing, and his results have been pretty impressive. And he hasn't – his athletic age, whilst he did say he, was, he started doing triathlon at a younger age, his athletic age is still pretty young, so there's going to be – quite a bit of improvement and when you look at his results consistently he is like smoking it on the run and cons- he's not a crappy swimmer so he's not having to come from nowhere you know on and cycle wise and cycle wise he's good as well he's still inexperienced in learning the game in terms of pro racing and how it all works but um yeah definitely a name to watch for kind of cool kind of cool to see someone so young so good okay john let's go of the week. Wait, you haven't chosen one. I have not. Okay, we're going to do the, going to do the research. We are going okay, to. Okay, I'm going to pull a number out then. We'll go back to old school. Okay, and I've got to have done a swim bike run. Oh, I'm going to say 66, clickety click. 66. 66, 66, clickety click. Uh, Gareth Bridge. He's swim bike run? Yep, he did Gareth Bridge. He did 12 hours and 13 minutes of training from nine activities, two hours, 13 minutes swimming, six hours, 41 on the bike, and three hours and 18 minutes of Running. He's from uh, Teddington in England, in the oh, UK. Teddington, yep. Yep. We, we bypass Teddington all the time, don't we? We do. Teddington is <laughs> also a place in Christchurch called Teddington. Yep. He's put in three good weeks of uh, consistent training the last couple of weeks. Uh, his marathon predicted time is 14, uh, 143 for a half, 5K is 22. Yeah. So. Longest bike ride, 205 kilometres, and biggest climb. 1656 that's a decent one because my biggest one is 1629 meters let's go see the biggest climb that gareth bridge has done okay he's got some good photos tension is palpable oh von mount von mont von two times three holy what do you mean up at three times three three yeah that is impressive it is how long did that take him 159 kilometres, moving time, 9 hours, 22 minutes, elevation, 4,674. God, three times up Mont Ventoux. That might have been, there's, there's, there used to be a race up there and you do you go up, there's three different ways you can go up. I wonder if that's what he's done. It, eh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, kind of. But uh, yeah, he has actually. That's impressive. Mont Ventoux, only been up there once. Cracked big time. Oh, really? What happened? Completely capitulated. Only just made it to the top. It's a very, very long climb. Uh, let's just see if I can find. Move on to one direction is 20, 21 kilometers. Yep. They're all in that sort of range. It is an extremely tough climb and very very long and very exposed to the top of his windy look out 
Game over. Impressive. Nice work, Gareth. Okay, let's go. Questions and answers. Okay, John is spotted a triathlon movie. Now it's not it's not a documentary, it's kind of like a It's a movie, it's a drama. Yeah, did you watch it? Did you watch the I watched the trailer? I watched the trailer. And I'm not sure how good it's gonna be. No, neither really. But I don't think I've ever seen a movie about a triathlon. Whereas it's got basically about a guy who wants to win I think seventy point three wants to win. And it looks like he's a little older and he's and He's obviously obsessed and there's a female in there, so it's going to be a drama. My only well, gripe... It's a love the, story slash drama. Yeah. Uh, my only gripe with it is, it, it's on, is it Vimeo? Is that how you say it? Vimeo? Uh, um, yep. And it doesn't look like we can actually get it in New Zealand. Um, it's just sort of oh, yeah. geo-restricted. Is it not out yet? It, no, it's out. You can get it. And it's just a pay-per-view on Vimeo. Huh. So anyway, I, I posted on their Facebook page asking why, uh, why we couldn't get it here. But yeah, interesting. I've never seen a triathlon... Every comeback story has a start line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also yeah. had an email in from, uh, so check it out. It's called 13 Miles. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Mm. Had an email in from Brett Chan. Yeah, so we're asking about the, the cheating situation or the, the penalty situation that happened in the 70.3 a couple weeks ago uh, and what his thoughts were. He said, I looked at the original video of the live coverage where the penalty was thought to have occurred and I didn't see anything wrong with it in that video from my personal point of view. However, Iron Man has since clarified that the video shown is not where Sam Long actually got his penalty. And then we've got there's a little clip that Triathlon Magazine in Canada had with uh, what's his name, Matt Lieto interviewing the head referee. And the penalty Sam Long got was for slotting in. Uh, so it wasn't the coverage and it wasn't on the coverage. Um, I had a question for Brent last year, uh, last week, uh, just about what what's kind of happens in this situation where if you're riding along, you're passing somebody, and then someone else passes mm. you, you're kind of a little bit in no man's land. Uh, he said, to answer your question, there is no rule that states you can't be three wide on the road. That was my other question. Yeah. Uh, the draft zone is a box that is 12 metres long but also extends sideways from the athlete. As you know, the passing athlete has 25 seconds to pass through the draft zones. Even though Sam Long was getting passed, he has 25 seconds to drop out of the draft zone. So I guess if you try to picture this, say you're, I'm coming up behind Bevan okay. and I'm passing him yep. and all I've got to do, if I'm the passing athlete, I've just got to get my wheel in front of your wheel and then it's your responsibility to get out of there. So if I'm riding along, I get my wheel just in front of Bevan and then somebody else passes me on my side, I can basically stop pedaling to make sure that I don't go into the person that's passing me's draft zone but you, then you've got to basically just completely stop <laughs> put the brakes on. and put the brakes on. And that's the, the dynamic of, of what pro racing is all like these days. So I guess Brent, what Brent says, says in here is you can ride three abreast. Um, and if you pass somebody and somebody else is passing you at the same time, um, you still can can make it work. But it is a little bit challenging. And the video footage, yeah, he sort of said is, is certainly not conclusive. They didn't necessarily catch when Sam Long was busted. He got busted for slotting in. And with that, you kind of just go with, got to go with the referee's call. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough when you're a pro, but isn't it? Because well, the, the these Sam, things happen probably lots in the race. And then Sam Long has he hasn't been moaning and groaning. I get it's so annoying when people just kick people. Mm. You know, Sam Long he he brings so much to our sport. Oh, he's yeah. just a vibrant character, and uh, and he's a fantastic athlete. So people start going, he's crap, he's rubbish. Like, look at his record, man. He has done some yeah, he's amazing seventy point yeah. three yeah. races. He is yeah, he hasn't proved anything at Ironman. 70.3, he got second at the World Champs last year, I think it was. So yeah. he's a good athlete. But he did say, look, you know, something we've got kind of got to change something here because 
pro racing has become extremely difficult on the bike, just that dynamic. And for these guys, if you get a penalty for him, it's race over. over. Yeah, 70.3, yeah. I man, you can kind of come back and still be in the money. 70.3, it's game over, over. Um, so, yeah. Good old Tim Swanson sent through and uh, just saying he did Ironman California a couple of weeks ago and he's saying that stats were pretty or the um, course accuracy was pretty good. This one was a little bit long. It was four four one basically. No, that's yards. So oh yards. Okay, so that would be right. Uh, pretty close, I think. Okay, uh, it's, it was a one mile transition. <sighs> That's a massive transition. I want to go to these. And that's one thing. If you're looking for a particular time, say you're going for a sub nine or a sub yeah. 10 or a sub 11. One mile. You've got to look at transitions because you might do it on the swim, bike and run, but transitions can kill you. Uh, his bike was pretty much 112. It was just under. The run was pretty much spot on. The run was miles. Yeah, it was pretty much spot on. Uh, so overall, pretty good. Uh, your swim set. Swim set. This oh, quiz question first. Okay, so let's think about this. So oh, yeah. male, I'm going to say, I just can't remember who came six through 10. I'm going to say I'm going to say seven. So we had we had uh, the, the Norwegians. Quickly, quickly do it. You had two Norwegians. You had Sam Long. Yeah, Joe Skipper. Skipper. We must have had some Germans in there. Um, who, well, it's probably easier to go non-Europeans. You had Max Newman, um, Leon Chevalier. He was like fifth, so he was Frenchy. God, I reckon there's probably yeah. Without really doing the detail, I'd say there's probably seven on the males. Yeah, seven, and then the females. Females. So she was American who won it, wasn't it? Yeah, American yeah, who yeah. won it. Uh, um, he had a couple of. I reckon he had a couple of Americans. I'm gonna in say. There. I'm gonna say five. I'm gonna say six. Okay, so, so, so I'm gonna say six females and seven males. Kona top ten is what we're gonna look out for. Kona top ten, twenty twenty two. Okay, here we go. Kona top ten podium finishes the pro men's I'll race. race. To it. Okay, so in the men's we had. Uh, oh, they've only given me five. Okay, I've got it here. Okay, you go. So f- females, we've got non-Germans. We've got one, Sarah Crowley. Yep. Uh, we had Chelsea Sodaro and Sky Monch. So seven. Seven. Did you say seven? I think I you said, said seven. I said six. No, I said five. So seven Europeans in the top ten for the females. On the boys' side, non-Europeans, we had Max Newman. And that's it. <laughs> wow, so nine. Norway, Australia, Great Britain, Germany, France, Denmark, France, Germany. Wow. You, you know what? That's a <laughs> Collins Cup. That's a worrying thing for the Collins Cup. Yeah. Do you think that will change the format? Oh, I don't know. You can't, you can't go, oh, you've got to give things a bit of time, but yeah, at the same but, time. Uh, it needs innovation if you ask If me. we looked at the... 70.3 world champs, which is more your Collins Cup distance. But different there. On the females, you had one, two, three, four, five, five females that are non-European, so 50-50 there. Um, but there was a few absentees. And then on the boys' side, you got one, two, three, three non-Europeans. And you've got to remember, you've got to split that between internationals, so and, internationals in America. Yes. No, that's, you've got yeah. less and you've got to split it between two teams. Because you've got to say one. make British a part of the Commonwealth or, or you know, like do like a... But then it's not going to happen in America. No. It needs to change. It needs to be an Ironman distance race. That's but what even then it's do. not going to help in Collins Cup. Um, yep, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> top nine, no, top nine, top seven. Yeah. You know, like, no easy answer. How, do they, how can they make Collins Cup a more interesting race? Mm. It's a really interesting question. 
John Swimsett, uh, this is what we actually did on Friday, not this morning. I'm back in the pool. My arm has healed. We did oh, great. 400 warm-up. Then we did 300 uh, with some drills. We did the 25 of the one-arm drill, 25 zipper, 25 free. And then our main set, pretty straightforward one, this 6 by 400 descend, 1 to 3, 4 to 6. And we did that on the 6 minutes 15. And that means you're going one steady, one moderate, one hard. One steady, one moderate, one hard. Using the old form goggles to make sure I got the pacing right. Did 100 easy IM and then uh, individual medley and then 425 sprints to get the arms turning over at the end, 200 warm down. Straightforward set. Got to do some of those, you know, 400s and try not to make it too fancy, just your your bread and butter. How often do you just do like a a straight set, like swim 3.8? Pretty rarely, yeah. No, I'll definitely do a few long... Why don't you do that more often? You should do it. should do it. Yeah, Yeah. no, you should. Is this the boredom factor? Yeah, and uh, and resistance from from fellow swimmers. Oh, tell them you're the coach, <laughs> mate. Get the whip out. But no, you definitely as you're approaching a race, you need to be doing stuff. So I'd probably more like go four by one thousand or something like that, rather than doing necessarily a four k straight. Because we had that coach out a while ago, and he was like, "You need to be doing it often." Remember mm. that? I can't remember who it was, but mm. no, you definitely need to be doing some long continuous swims. Definitely open water stuff. So I'll, I'll step back from that. Same in the pool, we don't do it very often, but I'll definitely get athletes doing. You know, 3K continuous swims, open water before races. Okay, there you go. So there you go. That's today's swim set. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show. Oh, we're doing a prize draw. We are. We are going to. One of our patrons is going to win a $200 voucher from the World Triathlon Store. Uh, so you can go on there. You can, if you've recently made purchases, you can get that credited back. Oh, can you? Um, yep. But uh, if otherwise, you can go buy some awesome I Am Talk they, gear. And they do great gear. Get yourself, some, uh, get yourself some gear. It doesn't have to be I Am Talk gear, but... Um, can do so i'm just going to random.org to uh, help pick our winner let me go here bevan it's generating it's generating boom boom okay here we go okay scroll 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 okay here we go it's going to mandy t-mac towler Mandy T Mac Tally, you get a 200 voucher for the World Triathlon store, which creates amazing gear. You can get our gear, you can get other gear. They do the custom gear? The custom gear. So, also, if you've got a club or anything like that and you want to just set up a store, then they'll take care of everything. And that's makes, for me, makes life really easy if I'm organizing a camp. And so, for example, I might go within the camp, um, I'm paying for a bike jersey for each person, yep. but then they might want to buy a long sleeve jersey, some bike shorts, some socks, whatever. They can design all that stuff and then people can just pay. It all gets processed. You don't have to do any admin. It's just send somebody the link. Uh, they can do the design work as well. So check out World Triathlon Store. Get in touch if you can. Mandy Towler, you are going to get yourself a $200 voucher. Good stuff, girl. She, she towed it up. She did. She towed it up. <laughs> okay, where am I? Back to my show notes. Okay, so uh, Jombo, let's say thank you to our other patrons. Sam the Wild One Walls. He's just finished his exams. He's just finished his degree. Oh, yeah? He's done nice. like rocket science. He's engineering. He's going to do like rocket science. He's like, good on him, man. He's worked really hard for the last three years, for three or four years to get it. And literally, I think he his last exam, like, Today or even yesterday or something. So good work, Sam. I saw in the news last night. We've got our this, this is our anniversary week in Christchurch or yep, Canterbury. Show. This is, and we have the show. It's basically uh, an AMP show where you, or agriculture. John, town, yeah, okay. Country Before comes you go to town. On, 
Joel and I were thinking, let's go to show on Friday. I haven't been since literally like 25 years. Mm-hmm. 40 bucks to get in. <laughs> 40 bucks. Oh, come on. Support, support the AMP. Yeah, there's, there's lots of costs. But there. the problem is you go in there, everything's inflated. It is. Yeah. I, I, I was like, you know what? 20 is cool. But yeah. 40 bucks. Past your threshold. Past my threshold. You try going to the races into the members area, it's like 115 bucks to get in. Do you go to races? We're not going this year. Because it's 115? Mm. Well, we're going to go do something else. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Some kid there, talking of exams, he's oh, a yeah, jo- jockey in, in the, the, the trots, and he's got an exam in the morning, and then he's got a university Four exam, races. And then he's got one hour from when his exam finishes to his race, his first, first race. race. Anyhow, um, we Ed, uh, back to our patrons, Ed Unbreakable Schmidt. Sonia, the glue brace girdle. And also her husband, Walt. They oh, came yeah. around here once, did an interview. I'm not oh, sure yeah. if she's still racing or not. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Jones, we've got, a new, we've got a new one. And Matthew is from Swansea. He hasn't replied. Where's Swansea? It's in Wales. I just love the the names of these. I'm not going to read out his address, but my God, I couldn't even pronounce them. So the place, the, the village he lives in, Swansea. Should I do the apple? Yunstal, Y-N-Y-S-T-A-W-E. And the name of his street and all that, I mean, I've got no chance of pronouncing it. Uh, anyway, Matthew Jones, we need to come up with a... Jones, come on, Jones is a good one. Jones is a great traditional... Yeah. Uh, Welsh name. Keeping up with the, keeping up with the. <laughs> but Jones is, but you, you know, like yeah, you know, works in triathlon. Yeah, let's see if we can do a little bit in that. Let's see what the the, the darts generator comes darts up generator. with. Who was the Dean Jones? Did he have a nickname? Dean Jones. Okay, so Dingo. 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 Jean. Dean Jones. Yeah. Dean Jones. Matthew. You probably know he is an Australian cricketer. Quite a controversial character, kind of brought people along the wrong way a little bit, but OMG, he was a great player in like the 80s and early 90s. And whenever he came out, you just always crapped your pants when you were playing against him because he was just, he could just turn a game around. He was absolute legend. We could go Dingo. Dingo, okay. Dingo Jones. Let's go Dingo. Matthew, so you, you, when you come out, Matthew, you dominate the Dingo Jones. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it kind of. He was a, most of you guys know Shane Warne, obviously. Yes, yeah. past. Yeah. It's a little bit like him in terms of, yeah, he just, yeah, he's just worries when he comes out. Yep. Oh, mate, Dean Jones when he came out. Headley, Headley and him always had a thing, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Headley could actually, because Headley was basically up until recently New Zealand's greatest player of all time, a phenomenal bowler. And uh, him and Dean Jones would have some good, you know, kind of dashes together. So, Matthew Dingo Jones, thanks for joining the party there we go we really appreciate anyone who's a patron of our show for those who are patrons we really appreciate your support if you're thinking about doing it jump on go to our website and put a little go to the link go through the process uh, you're going to draw to win some cool stuff if you support the show and that's the most important thing uh, yeah, go to dub 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 I am talk to do that if you also want to get the show email to you go to the same page for coaching coachjohnnewson.com for epiccamp epiccamp.com my podcast, uh, Bevan James Isles Show, I did a show that I've been getting some good feedback on this week, so if you want to check that out, go there. Also, my new book, passionaboutexercise.com, for helping people fall in love with exercise. Uh, if you want to email us, I'm talk podcast at Gmail. What's your gosh, Jumbo? Bevan, I'm quite an avid watcher of The Chase, you know, quite often oh, on you? Friday or Saturday, watch that sort yeah, of glass. It's, it's always, bit, it always delivers, doesn't it? It does. Yep. And... Speaking of the Collins Cup earlier, the Collins Cup made the chase. Really? Which was, was what the was cap, the question? The cash builder. Okay, here we go. What's the question? Give me it. Wasn't your multi-choice? It said it was something like this: the Collins Cup is a multidisciplinary, multi-nation sort of uh, competition. And what, what sport? sport? A triathlon. <laughs> yes. 
it's a thousand dollars, isn't it? Uh, you owe me a thousand dollars. True. Yep. And the guy didn't get it right. But I could believe it when it came up. I thought the Collins Cup has made it to international TV. How many people would know that answer? That's a tough question. I wonder if the in chasers would have known. Yeah, if you got it in your, the one where, they, the, yeah, the quiz, the, the, where it's the on the table. But I wonder if chance. in the last round, if, if, would the chaser got it? Mm, I wouldn't have thought so. No, no. Yeah, that's, that's a really one. obscure question. Mm. So that was uh, one thing that came Are you up go, the Now, weekend. okay, would you go on the show? Because I think it just made me look thick. Yeah, I think it would. You know? The pressure... For people that don't watch it, it's kind of hard to know. But the pressure when you're doing that cash builder, yeah, yeah, it's easy when you're sitting at home, you get the answers. But I saw one guy totally crack once. He looked like one or zero. Yeah, but he was actually really. He went on to he went the highest number and won it. Yeah, and he was in the last round. He was actually really great, and he was actually kind of key to everyone winning. But he was yeah, just cracked. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have a go at it, maybe not on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the other thing, Bevan, I watched my first game of women's rugby at the weekend. Oh, how good was that? So, Women's World Cup is on. I've never watched a game. I think I've probably watched a bit of sevens before. Yep. I've never watched a game of women's 15 before. Um, it helps when you win. Oh, but I, it was great rugby. And it was a case of, not that I'm a rugby connoisseur and don't know the ins and outs, the better team didn't win in terms of well, if I reckon the French team were no, better than us, we played better than them then. Though. Well, on paper you'd say they're a better team, but we've kind of really turned things around recently. Mm. It was a 50-50 game. Mm. You know, both teams had their moments. Mm. It was just amazing sport, wasn't it? Took the, I, the others watching TV in the other room. I just had it on the computer. Minutes ago, earphones came out. I was like, bugger this, it's all over. <laughs> they had a penalty with like 30 seconds to go. The French in front. Was a, was a bit of distance on it, yeah. and she choked and yeah. just completely hooked it. And so, well, I think she had to go for the distance, and she didn't have it. Mm. Yeah, but I tell you what, uh, the women's World Cup's been a phenomenal. I've watched pretty. I've watched probably watched twelve games of it. Um, just it's it's really good rugby. They don't well, stop. Well, and the other aspect of it is that I find kind of cool. And I guess from watching one game and seeing the, the build up to it, it's just the women's approach to sport is different. Yeah. You know, we're used to seeing everyone being stoic and stone faced, and yeah. you go into a race, and if you're not that, you're not serious, you're yeah. not worthy of being there. That's party time for them. They've yeah. got music pumping, they're smiling. They were doing the national anthems again, Reef Kickoff, they're all smiling and happy, but they are deadly serious. Oh, like, are you the, they, I would say they'd be way more competitive and than the a lot about, of guys. And the thing about it was, you know, like, because what's happening is this kind of evolution of women's sport becoming a more popular thing, which is so great. Um, but what's happening is, you, you know, you might think that there'd be a lesser level of skill, but just because they haven't had that professional era behind them, mm. you know, because women's rugby in New Zealand's kind of been professional for about two years, mm. you know, and even then it's only really been the last moment where they're starting to get a good income from it. Um, so you you might think, well, you know, there's another five, ten years before they've got that high level of skill, but mate, they were so skillful. Very skillful. You know, now, I think you'll see bodies change and all, you know, speed and all that game may increase as they become more professional. One thing that's also really interesting is when you watch the sports news now, lesser sports don't get as much coverage mm. because like in the past, New Zealand would show a bit of tennis in every sports night. There'd be a bit of, you know, golf outside of if the New Zealand is doing well. But because now you have professional rugby and females and males, mm. the, the sports news is kind of less about other sports. Mm. They get more dominated by just these the sports that yeah, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, it's good time for sport right now. Have you been watching the cricket? No, but I will watch tomorrow night. Pretty nervous. Parky's our Parky's our bogey team too. Mm. Yeah. So New yeah. Zealand playing Pakistan. Who's playing the other game? Uh, the Indians and uh, England. Good. Yeah, Australia that, didn't make their own World Cup I, semis. Th- th- if, again, so if you're overseas, 
2020 is kind of like a really short form version of the game, but it's actually really good because anyone can kind of win on the day. And this World Cup has proven it because like teams, like the Western needs have won the World Cup like twice. They didn't even make the tournament. They kind of have a pre-tournament mm. for the te- So for the top, anyone out of the top eight have to go and qualify. Yeah. So Western needs have won the World Cup like twice, didn't even qualify. Mm. And then teams were like losing to teams you'd never expect to lose to. Like yeah. Ireland beat England. And then Netherlands beat South Africa. Yeah. So it's, it's, in some ways it's, yeah, it's cool because it's, you know, no one knows it's going to win. But then also it kind of sucks because <laughs> there's no real dominant player as such. Yeah. Um, any other goss? No, nope, that's it, Bevan. Going to go and ride my bike up and down your hill a few times now. Everesting training starts today. <laughs> when are you doing it? December the 27th. Oh, after Christmas. Yeah. That's where we can eat lots of Christmas Day. Burn off Christmas. I'm I'm doing everything in two days. Yeah. Tell you what I did last week, John. What's that? I went here to give a social volleyball. Oh, okay. I was at the gym. I taught two classes that day. I'd already done a lot of exercise. And Mm -hmm. I'm literally, you know, walked down from teaching my class. And Yuki, this Asian guy, um, Japanese guy, is funny, good guy. Um, He goes, Bevan, in 20 minutes from now, can you play volleyball? Yeah. I'm like, mate, I've just finished your class. And he goes, but we need a player. And I'm like, uh-huh. I can't, I'm not going to play volleyball. And he conned me into it. Down Pioneer. Behind yeah. Pioneer, they've got all these volleyball courts, outdoor courts. Oh, beach volleyball Yeah, courts. so beach volleyball yeah, courts. Yeah, right. They have like nine courts down there. So, And I played volleyball to a pretty good level at high school. Mm-hmm. So I've got the basic skills. And they eventually convinced me. Turns out it wasn't 7. It was 7.30. So I get the <laughs> time to kill. Um, but man, it was fun. There you go. Outside volleyball, when you can dive on the ground, be a bit more fun than... Banging, oh, banging knees up inside need, on the gym. Need, knee pads inside. Mm. But, but the thing about it was, it wasn't Harry Hardnuts. Mm. It was anyone, you know, mm. like, now, admittedly, our team won both games quite comfortably. Um, but, but it was just to have a laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's the one thing that maybe I don't do enough in life is I don't use my fitness just to do some fun stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and because seriously, I had so much fun. And again, I've got a, a base skill set around it so I could play the game. And you're just having a laugh. It's not too serious. Um, the scores are kept, but don't really matter. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it was just, it was really cool. And it was like, oh, I, you know, maybe next year I'll get a few teams, a few mates together and we'll kind of join the league. Because it was mm-hmm. just, you know, we're so fit, mm. but we kind of just end up doing the same shit all the time. Mm. And there's times, you know, you might go out and play a game of touch with some friends, but to actually do an organized sport, yeah, might, maybe every Thursday night I was going on and play some, like, it's not physically hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't at the end that I was dying, although I did poor muscle. <laughs> Next night I got no sleep. I was like, oh, what have I done? Uh-huh. And I pulled a back muscle. It wasn't too bad. But, um, you know, like, I've, and there's probably something for our audience to think about is that we are so fit and we, and we are trying to achieve some pretty big goals in a singular focus. But it's good to use your fitness for something else. Totally. Especially in the off season. Yeah. If you're in the middle of the season, oh, building yeah. up for Ironman New Zealand in what, four weeks' time, maybe, maybe now's not the time Social to go volleyball. and play uh, touch rugby or go and join your local basketball team. But after that, go for it. Well, it's funny because they've also started a basketball team. It's just basically staff from the gym. And apparently it's way harder. And they're really crap. They're getting killed every week. <laughs> <laughs> they've got one player, Yuki, the, the, the Japanese guy. He's actually quite a good player. So the, the goal is get the ball to Yuki. Yuki. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I've that gone John I'm just all sport Sport Love nice. it It's going to be a good week oh, Go the black caps It <laughs> could be a good week We could come back next week going Stupid rugby yeah. Stupid 2020 cricket See the Poms lost to the Argentinians Yeah that's always a Yeah we're loving that one Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Right let's wrap it up I'm Russ I hope you don't Train hard Train smart Kick, Kick hard, hard.